This is the Iowa State Athletics SciCast. The SciCast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors, which have the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's SciCast is a visit with Steve Melchow. Recently, Melchow announced that he will retire at the end of June. After 16 years at Iowa State, as the Senior Associate Athletics Director for Communications under Jamie Pollard. He has a very keen awareness of how Jamie has been able to transform the Iowa State Athletics Department, and he was a very big part of that transformation. Also has some great stories to tell along the way. We hope you'll enjoy this visit with Steve Melchow. Well, Steve, I want to start out with just how you got into the business. Tell us kind of your path to ending up in this profession. Sure. Um, I was a freshman uh, at, uh, at Iowa in 1979, and my dad was a sports writer, so I've always been around athletics and thought that working in the sports information office might be a good way to make some pizza money for the weekend. So I walked into uh, SID George Wine at the time and, and tried to apply for a job. First question he asked me was, uh, well, what, you're in school, are you, Steve? And I said, I'm a freshman. And he said, I don't hire freshmen, so see you later. Come back in a couple of years. And that was the end of my interview. And so I walked out of the office, and lucky for me, a couple of weeks later, it was actually Hayden Fry's first game as coach. They played Indiana, and the Indiana play-by-play radio man needed a spotter. And so George called me and said, I tell you what, I need a spotter. I'm going to give you a shot. And so I did that. I must have, I guess, uh, done okay. Don Fisher was the play-by-play guy's name. He, he gave George a good endorsement. And next step was George called me back in and said, hey, I, I got a good report on you. I, I've, I've reconsidered. I'm going to go ahead and give you a shot in the office. But let me tell you this. If you screw this up, there'll never be another freshman hired. And so I, that's how I started my career with that pressure on it. And uh, it ended up being a lot of fun, something I really enjoyed. It taught me early on that I had a chance to, to work in the entertainment industry and get paid to go to games. I thought that was a pretty cool concept. And the career unfolded from there. When you came to Iowa State with Jamie Pollard, how had your relationship with Jamie grown in your eight years together at Wisconsin so that uh, that opportunity presented itself at Iowa State? Right. Well, we were, we were peers. Um, he was the CFO, head of the finance uh, department, and I was the uh, senior level communicator. And so we worked on some projects, not a lot of them real close, but probably the first thing we worked on together we were going to make a change in the women's basketball coaching position, and Jamie was the sport administrator. And true to form, Jamie doesn't want to do it in a press release. He wants to have a press conference. So we're going to, we're going to sit on the dais, and we're going to answer questions about why we were changing coaches. So we had a holding room off stage that Jamie and I were in before we were going to start the press conference, and he's like, he's pacing in the room and breathing heavy, and I said, are you okay? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be okay. And I said, are you sure? Do you need a glass of water? And and he said, no, I, I think I'll be okay. Now, again, picture this. Sitting up on the dais is pretty intimidating. I mean, you got live cameras going, and you don't know what questions you're going to get. And I'm nervous. I'm starting to sweat, wondering, is this guy going to be able to deliver it? And I said, do you, like, have any notes of what you're going to say at all? No, no, I memorized it. And I'm thinking, you, you memorized your comments? And so now I'm scared. So we get up in front of the dais, and <laughs> true to form, he delivers a home run. I mean, he is spot on. He did memorize it. He delivered it greatly. And I, and I thought at that time, that was the first time I'd really witnessed his poise under pressure. And I was really impressed by that. The second project we worked on that we really became good friends on was we hosted the NCAA Men's Basketball Regional in Madison. He was the tournament director. I was the media coordinator. Those are probably the two most high-profile 
positions. We worked very hard on that project. It was really successful. And looking back on it now, I think those two events, I was probably getting studied as a potential aid to him. I never dreamt of being an AD like he did. But my guess is, as he was going through his career, he was looking at people that he thought that he might want to hire someday. And so that's probably where it started. And then I got the recruiting pitch call on a Saturday. We played football at Texas A&M. He'd already taken the job here. I was still working at Wisconsin. Todd Blythe caught four touchdown passes in the game, if I remember right. And he called me to A, tell me that the 12th man environment at Texas A&M was the best he'd ever seen and that would I come work with him and return to my home state at Iowa State. And that was the beginning of our courtship, I guess. And uh, I gladly signed up and never looked back. It's been a great run. You have overseen at Iowa State multiple departments. And sometimes projects are ones that they're all in on and other times it's separate. But how have you been able to kind of balance and juggle all that and also make sure that everybody in those departments are all rowing in the same direction with the the best interest of the athletic department as a whole uh, as the guy? Well, ultimately, I guess I'm somewhat of a coach. I'm, I'm building a team, and, I, and those team members represent different units for me, communications, marketing, digital media, yourself as one of our key spokespeople. And my job is to get them going in the right direction. And I guess the analogy I like to say, and you've heard me say it, John, is that um, I don't care who makes the layup. Somebody's got to get the rebound, somebody's got to throw the outlet pass, and then somebody's got to convert. I'm not keeping score because the play won't happen if we don't get the rebound. And so I'm not looking at the leading scorer. We're, we all have a role, and let's ac- accept our role, and that'll make the team better. And that's just kind of how I've approached it, and I've been blessed to have really talented people work under me and people that can put their egos aside and make the pass, get the rebound, not only get the scoring play at the end. I want to go back to your family for a minute because you you mentioned how your father was a sports writer. Your wife worked in sports information at the University of Alabama. I think of a person like Matt Campbell who grew up the son of a coach and was always surrounded by that. Did you have a feel at a pretty young age that maybe you wanted to be involved in sports as a profession? No clue, to be honest with you. I loved going to games when, when I was in high school. My dad would take me to games sometimes, and I sat in the press box and watched him interview coaches afterwards, the Morningside College coaches or the Sioux City East coaches, and so I've been around it a lot, but really, no, I was going to be a, a CPA. I was looking at working in sports information just for some weekend spending money, truthfully, and when I got into it, I'm a stat head, I like notes, and I just got really attracted to it, and I didn't really realize that you could have a job in sports, and as I said earlier, get paid to go to games. Ironically, I kind of laugh because my wife did work in the sports information office at Alabama and then was the head SID at Illinois too, so two high-profile jobs. So everybody thought that our son would naturally be an SID, and we said, there is no way he's going to be an SID. That's the one profession he can't do, and no, it's, it's been a labor of love for both of us. I've been around it a lot. Your analogy, though, with Campbell and his dad, that, that just really um, is, is spot on. You know, I think I've, I've been around it. I'm familiar with it. I'm not intimidated by it, but it's been a lot of fun. Today's Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. I think almost every Iowa State fan recognizes that so much has been accomplished over these 16 years, and you've documented it, you've witnessed it, you've been a huge part of it. I guess the the, the million-dollar question, and maybe this one can't have a succinct answer because there's a lot of layers to it, but how in the world did it happen? How has Jamie been able to have so much success as the athletics director at Iowa State? Well, we've got a lot of people that have handled their roles 
I think the simplistic answer, and there's probably a lot of marketing buzzwords in here, but Jamie had a vision. We have sold it hard, relentlessly. We've adjusted when we had to, and we've built a really good culture. But what I would underline all those buzzwords with is that we care about people. I think back to one of the most impactful things we did was the tailgate tour, getting out and shaking people's hands. This brings up memories to me of Dan McCarney. Was there a guy that was willing to pose for more pictures, talk to more people, and make everybody feel important? Bill Fenley, same thing. That's who we hire. Iowa State fans demand that. That's, that's the family atmosphere we have here. Some coaches don't like doing that. They don't fit here. And so we've built our operation around that, and the, and the grassroots of it was that Cyclone Tailgate Tour where we went out, we sat at, at tables with people, talked to them, let them ask their questions. And, the, and although it's changed its format a lot over the years, we're still doing it. We're still going out and, and, and getting on the ground with people. And I just think that's been our secret sauce under all the buzzwords of the, the things that most marketing people or strategic people would say. I think it's the people aspect. It's interesting you say that because I have said that many times that I think of all the, the strokes of genius that Jamie has had at Iowa State, I would put the tailgate tour right toward the top. And, and I think the reason why is because of those relationships, and as Jamie calls it, planting seeds, because the, the tour across the state never used to involve children. Now it does. And you see that joy reciprocated, and it's why Iowa State fans still come to the games, uh, even if we're having a rough season, their support is unconditional. Well, when we got here, it was pretty typical in this era that you had golf outings. Okay, so the AD goes and plays golf and he interacts with three people. I mean, really. And that's not very good use of his time. And the same thing for the basketball coach and the women's basketball coach and the football coach. And, and you hit it on the head. Young kids have parents. And then they want to go see Cy at the game. So guess what? You got the crowds go, you know, go up. You sell concessions. You buy the pennants. And the kids are where it starts. And we got really aggressive in the Junior Cyclone Club. I mean, we have one of the better programs in the country. But it refurbishes itself year after year. And that's really the a backbone to it because that's your future. I mean, it is, and we've invested heavily in that, and it's been successful for us. And that ability to adapt to a constantly changing world is something you have to do to, A, survive, but B, have success in this industry. How have you changed through the years, and how have you seen Jamie change from that guy that was memorizing what he was going to say at the women's basketball press conference to who he is today? Well, you just gotta constantly be able to adapt. You gotta you gotta read the room. You gotta read the the situation, and you have to to act quickly. Our 24-hour-a-day news cycle demands it. People want answers, and we've really tried to be proactive in our communication. I think that's fundamental to a lot of the stuff that we've accomplished here, and that wouldn't happen without Jamie, because Jamie's the one that's willing to do that. But that's critical so people know what you're trying to do, why things are happening, why they're not. It's just been, again, I think really critical to getting the buy-in that we've gotten. Get ready for your tailgate with Authentic Brand. Proudly creating Cyclone gear, Authentic Brand makes all kinds of Cyclone apparel, from t-shirts to dress shirts, hats, bags, and more. You'll love the huge selection and all in cardinal and gold. Find it at local retailers or order online at authentic-brand.com. You've worked at the University of Iowa, the University of Wisconsin, and at those places you've worked with some of the biggest personalities in college sports, particularly in the Midwest. Did you take little bits and pieces from those people or have some great memories that, that kind of molded who you became at Iowa State? 
But I, don't th I don't think there's any question. I've been really blessed. Um, Jamie's the one that kind of came up with the list of people who I've been afforded the opportunity to work with, and it's pretty overwhelming. I like leadership, John. It's just a topic I'm, I'm interested in, and coaches are leaders. And there's all different kinds. If you're the, if you're the golf coach, you're leading five or six men. If you're Matt Campbell, you're leading an army. And I very much like listening to messaging of leaders, how they frame things. And so I've, I, I've been around some incredibly successful coaches, really impactful ones, and it's just amazing the different styles. Dan Gable was one that just really impressed me as a young person. Obviously the success is unmatched, but he could read a kid and know this kid needs to get his butt chewed and this kid needs a hug. And I was like, that's pretty interesting. Don't you just treat everybody the same? Dan didn't. He could read the person. And that's, I think, what made him such a successful coach. Not that he could teach takedowns and all that. It was the personal investment he made in people. You know, you think of Dan McCarney and how much, I mean, they're just these, sometimes leadership, again, is, is, is buzzword stuff, but it comes back to relationships. And so observing these coaches do their craft, there's no question I learned things from folks. Tom Davis was one that was very impactful with me. I was the basketball SID there. As I've, as I've gotten to Iowa State, I'm obviously more administrative, so I don't have the closest, the close relationship to the coaches like I did previously at Wisconsin and Iowa, but these are successful people, and they're successful for a reason. And if you can study them, I think that's critical. I know a lot of times when we go hire a, a, a new coach, one of the things I look at all the time is who they work for. Is it a good list? Is it not a good list? Because I'm going to count on the fact that if they've got a good list, they pick this from this person, this from that person, and they may have a heck of a package. I think that's a huge predictor in success. And it's, I'm no different. You know, if you're willing to open your ears and listen and observe and ask questions and you have a coach willing to share with you, you can gain a lot of knowledge. Do you think that's why so many people in sports information ultimately move into administration? It seems like you're one of many that have made that successful transition, and you're so immersed in the program when you're in sports information. Tell me about that transition for you. What was that like? It was pretty easy. I think part of the reason maybe is that every issue has a communications element to it potentially. So I have to care about everything. Mm -hmm. I have to care about donations. I have to care about finances. I have to care about success. I have a big appetite for information. I love to read. I love to I have people I talk to in the profession. We trade ideas. And I just think you get a real broad picture. And so I've got to be able to stand back when Jamie looks at me and goes, I want to do this. And I got to be able to play that out. How's that going to play in Peoria? <laughs> And I just think you, you get a very broad vision that way. I'm also a detailed person and a grinder, so that probably helps too. Although I probably interfere maybe a little too much, but I think it overall is just that you're, you're, you're so um, immersed in all aspects of it, all sports, that you just kind of get that sort of a mindset, and that's helpful. On Football Saturdays, our John Deere run of the game is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Nothing runs like a deer, especially when it's supported by Van Wall Equipment, the Cyclones' John Deere dealer of choice. Sports media has really changed so much from the time you started to what we're witnessing now. And I'm curious how you've adapted through the years to dealing with some of those media requests. And at the same time, trying to keep in mind the demands of a student athlete's time and how important that is to keep that balance. How have you, how have you gone about that through the years? Right. Well, it's changed immensely. I mean, I guess the biggest changes were our own storytellers. When I started in this, you know, you wrote a press release and hope somebody picked it up. You know, hope that you read it on the nightly news or that the newspaper would print it. And now, I mean, we're our own entity. We started with the website so we could put our own stories out. But 
our digital media team. I mean, we had a TV channel for a, a, you know, a good chunk of my tenure here. So we can tell our own stories. We spend a lot of time on that. The demands of student athletes, they're intense. There are so many people coming at them for so many things. And so what you try to do, especially when you get a, a star type player is um, make them accessible because the people need to hear from them and the media has a job to do but you maybe do it more in group settings. I think of like a, like a Brock Purdy. I mean, the quarterback, if, if they're a good player and a good spokesperson is in demand every single time. And I can't do all these one-on-one, so I've got to do some group stuff and it's just what it is. But you try to manage it that way as best you can. While also giving everybody the opportunity to stand in front of the microphone, because it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity for them to grow as a person. I mean, these are skills they're gaining that they'll use in real life when they become a banker or a fireman or whatever their chosen profession is or teacher or whatever so but yeah it's it's a challenge because we have more and more people pulling on them and you got to find ways to to uh, adapt to that perhaps the uh, the greatest illustration in your career of that was Ron Dane who won the Heisman Trophy and you were integral in that campaign and just helping him to navigate his way through all those waters because there, the amount of demands had to be just absolutely incredible what are your memories of watching him grow from the time he started with him to, because after all, that's what we're here for, is to serve the student athletes. So how, how did you see him grow? Well, boy, this ties into the question you just asked about managing the time. His freshman year, he was a highly recruited athlete, and we also had an offensive lineman named Aaron Gibson. Aaron weighed about 380 pounds. So guess who the media wants to talk to? The hotshot tailback and the big guy. So Coach Alvarez told me, but this is at camp, uh, we're at fall training camp. Can you talk to Gibby and Ron and just tell them what media day is all about and blah, blah, blah. So I talked to the both of them. Gibson, the offensive lineman, very talkative. Parents were entertainers. Dane didn't say one word. So Barry asked me at dinner that night. He goes, hey, how's your talk go with Gibby and, and, and Ronnie? And I said, does Ron talk? I mean, he didn't say one word. And so I'm petrified. And so Ron was the reluctant hero. Uh, one of his first games we played at Hawaii, he ran for 360-some yards. We're on massive deadline because the game's in Hawaii, and he doesn't want to come to the press conference. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. Okay, so as his career progressed, we ended up getting to basically Heisman season. And I had developed a good relationship with him, and I said, Ron, I need a little. Okay, I need a little. I'll stop the interviews when I can. I'll, I'll manage it as best I can. I need a little. Okay, Steve, I'll give you a little. So this was preseason camp, and I decide I'm going to have a teleconference with all the big writers across the country. I got like 30 people on the call. I'm nervous. You know, how's this going to go? And so all of a sudden, thing starts in five minutes, no run. It's supposed to be starting, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I had to get on the call and said, I have had a miscommunication with um, our player, and I sincerely apologize. And I was steaming mad. And I ended up tracking him down. And we had a heart-to-heart. And I said, I have worked diligently to have a reputation in this career, and you gave a massive blow to it. I am done with you if this doesn't change, and change now. Is that clear? And I thought, holy cow, I just called out the Heisman Trophy winner potentially and the reality of it is I am very good friends with him we I never had another problem with him he and I grew very close through a very difficult season the challenges of it especially for an extremely shy young man I mean talk about being in the spotlight and having no desire for it 
but we had that one come to Jesus meeting, and I don't know what prompted me to have that blunt conversation, but I am really glad we did. I went back for a reunion a year ago. He called me on the way and, and just said, I never told you how much I appreciated what you did for me, and it was kind of one of those heartwarming moments because in the moment, you're going like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Gear up for your next Cyclone game with Authentic Brand, a great Iowa company headquartered less than an hour from Ames in Perry, Iowa, making Cyclone apparel for men, women, and kids. It's the apparel I wear on game day. Find it at local retailers or order online at Authentic-Brand.com. Authentic Brand. Look authentic. Feel authentic. Be authentic. You mentioned how some people are naturally drawn to the spotlight and others aren't, and that's okay. I want to go back to the personalities that you've dealt with through the years in coaching because you've worked so closely, directly with some really, really big personalities. Was there one that kind of jumps off the page at you as a person who absolutely was as comfortable as he could possibly be in that intense media spotlight? Well, there have been probably several, but but two that come to mind for me, and ironically, they were... They're really good friends, and that would be Dan McCarney and Barry Alvarez. They're very tight. They like to be the guy that when they walk in the room, you know they're there. They enjoy that moment. They enjoy that spotlight. They relish it. They want to be in that. As a person who's the opposite of that, I always wondered why I didn't get that gene. But the two of them come to mind, uh, willing to do anything for anybody, willing to answer the questions. Jamie's got a lot of that too. I don't know that Jamie has the desire to do it, but Jamie knows it's his job to be accountable, and that's why our message sticks. I mean, we're, he's just a proactive communicator and doesn't want to be reactive. He wants to get out in front of things. That's just that's the way we do it, and, and that makes my job a lot easier. So Jamie's got a little bit of that in him too, but Mac and, and, and Barry liked it. I mean, they, they liked being the guy in the room and, and relished it and did a great job with it, and I think probably because they were comfortable in it. How hard is it to, quote unquote, get out in front of things this day and age with the way that information travels now compared to when you first got in the business? You do want to form your message. How do you do it in this uh, environment? Well, you just have to be proactive. Number one, I think Jamie and I both have our antennas up as to what we think is coming. He's really good at that. And he, I get called in to just discussions with him frequently about this is coming. What do you think? What do we want to do? That goes to his leadership style. I didn't know that would be the way he would be as an AD because I I hadn't seen a track record of that. But I I wholeheartedly agree with that. It makes for tough press conferences sometimes when the message is going to be tough, but it gets buy-in, John. I mean, that's, that's the key thing. You know when he says it, he means it. He's genuine with it. And so as we anticipate issues coming up, we talk about what's the channel, what's the message, when, how do we deliver it, do we do follow-up. And, you know, there's no one simple formula if we do everything this way. We just kind of adjust it based on the timing, what we can do. You have so many more tools if you're willing to use them, you know, with podcasts and our TV station and the web and all the different ways we can get the word out. But you got to be willing to step into that space. And Jamie's one that's willing to do that. And so that helps us stay ahead of things and be proactive on it. And I, I will leave here being very proud of the way we've approached it. I don't think all organizations operate that way. In fact, I'd say that's a little bit out of the ordinary. How many times do you see people have a press conference post the event and they're all looking like, you know, they're nervous? Well, we try not to be in that space. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get out. I mean, in this day and age right now, it's going to get out in some shape or fashion. Why not craft the message the way you want it? 
get out in front of it. And we've done that countless times here. You just go back and look at the track record and it served us well. Another part of your legacy at Iowa State is helping to create a brand for Iowa State Athletics. And that is not an easy task. Uh, everybody tries to do it. Uh, some do it successfully, some don't. I guess what was the identity or the brand of Iowa State Athletics that you sought out to accomplish for this department? I would say, I, I could describe it in two words, I wanted to be relevant. I mean, when I showed up here, I, I just felt like um, we could really grow our relevancy within the state and within our conference. That's easy to say and really hard to do. But the goal to me was to become relevant, to matter. And it's been a steady growth in that area. And I, I think it was punctuated with what Coach Campbell and his team did a year ago. That's been just really rewarding. You know, part of it as you try to grow the brand is you need to have some success. So you're trying to pick off things that you can celebrate. I kind of go, we'll go back again. To, I think you just need to let people touch the program. And that goes back to the people component of it. And then try to be transparent in good times and bad, bad times and be genuine with it. Nothing earth shattering, but if you can take a little bit of magic and success and just be legit with people, mm -hmm. I think that really builds it. And then that builds more momentum. And then all of a sudden your brand gets stronger because you've had success. And that's kind of what the formula has been. Last thing for you, Steve, and it's a very open-ended question, but uh, as you think back, maybe 10 years from now, about your time at Iowa State, what do you think will stand out most to you? I think it's going to be relationships, John. I, I, what's become apparent to me over 42 years, I've made a lot of friends in, in this business. At some day soon, I'm going to be turning in my office keys for the last time, but I get to take those relationships into retirement with me. I think of people, you know, peers. I think of folks in the news media I've worked with. I've thought of subordinates, people that have worked for me. I've, I've thought of people, you know, and you start thinking about Coach Hoiberg and Coach McCarney, Coach Fennelly, Kale Sanderson. You know, I've just made a lot of noteworthy friends, and I'll, I'll take those relationships into my future. Obviously, I'm a sports person, so I, I think back on, on cool events that I've been at. Fred's running hoops to just be the dominant, absolute dominant program, doing something no other school in this state has done, the level of success he sustained. The Fiesta Bowl win a year ago, it kind of hit me that I have worked at three institutions and all of them were, were struggling in football when I got there, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Iowa State, and they've all reached championship level. And I didn't, it wasn't because of me, but I got to watch it and that was pretty cool. And then lastly, I'll just say this, because it, it's something that stuck in my memories, because I thought you might ask me my favorite memory, but um, our family is golfers. Yeah. And one year, 2014, our men's golf team was playing in Columbia, Missouri, trying to make the, the national championship finals. This is a northern school without much, much history. And uh, that team shot 18 under in the final round. They had 22 birdies and two eagles that day. And my, my wife and son and I were walking the course, and we had the little stat app going on our phones and it would beep when somebody made a birdie and it was hilarious for four hours hey you know Fernanda just birdied 12 and oh my gosh it looks like Ruben just got a birdie on yeah. 10 and we advanced to nationals I know that's a weird memory but it was just a, a delightful afternoon for our family to watch those young boys do something that they had never done before we're still friends with all the guys on that team and it was a, a fun memory that probably people would be like i'm surprised you listened to that one but that one meant a lot just for our family well it's a great memory and there have been so many of them during your time at iowa state and i just appreciate you taking the time to share some of them i i know you'll still still stay very connected to iowa state athletics and uh 
that that's a great thing for Iowa State, and I hope it is for you. Thanks, John. I appreciate the time. I've made so many friends here. It's been a special place. I know some people debated, what's he doing going to Ames? Because I was at a pretty successful program at Wisconsin. But, boy, it certainly paid me back more than I've ever given Iowa State. Today's SciCast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn why Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are Iowa's clear first choice. Thanks for listening.